the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. The kind of service we are currently experiencing, we call it the healing and communion service. In this service, we give ourselves to teachings about Jesus and the implications of his works in our lives as believers, especially the emphasis of healing, especially the emphasis of healing. So it's called the healing and communion service. We would receive the elements of the communion and in so doing receive physical healing for our bodies. When I'm done teaching and we pray a little bit. So I've said all of that to introduce the service to you so that you can understand what we are trying to experience here and key into it. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 is my text. In case you don't know, this year in Rama Chapel has been declared the year of the Lord's favor. Everybody say the Lord's favor. Lord's favor. So I'll teach in this direction, yet merge all the truths together in such a way that we still have healing and communion service. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. And in favor with God and men. Let me read that one more time. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I will teach on what I've titled How Jesus Grew in Favor. How Jesus Grew in Favor. That's what I'll speak about in the next couple of minutes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you know the intentions that you have orchestrated for today. You know the things that you have gathered to distribute. We ask that you will help us receive in the name of Jesus. Let there be no distractions to the reception of your favor in the name of Jesus. We thank you for healing that happens already. And as you send your word, you send deliverance, you send healing. You heal our bodies, you make us whole. You heal our souls, you make us whole. Thank you, because we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, we pray. I said, in Jesus' name, we pray. There are about three views of Jesus that should be dominant in your mind as a Christian, as a serious Christian, as a learned Christian. There are three views, dominant views of Jesus that you should have, especially as it pertains to Jesus being God and at the same time being man. The first view of Jesus you must have is Jesus as the creator. Jesus is the one who made all men. He's the one who created every human being. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one who made human existence possible. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14 to 16. Let's read it here you see that Paul explains the view of Jesus not just as the baby born in a manger, but as the creator of God, in whom we have redemption 
through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invincible God. The firstborn over all creation. Now when you see the phrase firstborn over all creation, the KJV may confuse you with firstborn. Jesus is not the, crea- is not the created. He is the one that began creation. The word firstborn over all creation suggests the leader over all creation. Are we together? And then in verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created. Everybody say all things. Listen, your kidneys were created by Jesus. Your lungs were created by Jesus. Every bone in your body was created by Jesus. All things were created by him. That are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible or invincible. How many of you have seen your brains before? Well, you know it's there, right? It was created by Jesus. There are things you can't see that exist. He says Jesus made all things. The ones you can see, the ones you can't see, Jesus made all things. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and they were created for Him. Say this after me. My body was created for Jesus. Every part of your body, as complex as the human body is, with so many organs and systems and so many things in that body, it was created by Jesus and created for Jesus. So the view you must have is Jesus as the creator. That's the first dominant view you must have about Jesus. Second dominant view is Jesus as the mediator. Jesus is the mediator. You see this phrase in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. It says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And that mediator is the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, 5. One God. Everybody say one God. One, God. one mediator. So there's one God and there's one mediator and that mediator is Jesus Christ. The word mediator means middleman. It means intermediary. But in a, in a general sense, it speaks of the fact that there is nothing that happens between divinity and humanity that happens without Jesus. Every transaction between God and man has to happen by the bridge called Jesus. So it's called the mediator between God and man. When God wants to give favor to men, he has to go through the bridge called Jesus. When man wants to call upon God, he has to call upon God through the bridge called Jesus. When man wants to receive healing, salvation, deliverance, provision. It has to come through this channel called Jesus. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. So, that's the second dominant view that you must have about Jesus. The third dominant view that you must have about Jesus is the phrase you see in, um, where we read in Colossians 1 and verse 15. He is the firstborn amongst many brethren. Is the first, that word firstborn? I would put it in another, or I'll show you from another verse and help you to understand it better. The firstborn amongst many brethren. Jesus is creator, is mediator, is also firstborn amongst many brethren. Now, this pertains to us in particular. This phrase is in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans 8 29. For those that God has ordained for new, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn 
among many brethren. Everybody say firstborn among many brethren. Okay. Remember I told you Jesus is not the created. He is the creator. I didn't even tell you. I showed you from scriptures. But he was also born as a man. The creator at one point in history was born as man. Now when you hear the word firstborn among many brethren, it speaks of Jesus being the fundamental first reality or first concept of the child of God. The first original concept of that phrase called the child of God, or that reality called the child of God. Jesus is the first. So it says among many brethren. So, we are also children of God and in a sense, Jesus is our big brother in a sense. That's not a sense that should puff us up and make us arrogant. It's a sense that assures us that everything that God did in Jesus, He will do in us. Everything. You see, one of the convictions you must have as a Christian is that everything that happened to Jesus will happen to you. Everything. Jesus rose from the dead. There's a resurrection morning for every saint. Jesus ascended into the heavens with a glorified body. There's a glorified body for every saint. It's a reality. So, he's the firstborn amongst many brethren. He's the original type of that reality of the child of God. Every other child of God will experience everything that Jesus experienced. Let me show you another scripture that captures this reality. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. Hebrews 2, 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who have been sanctified are all one. Or all of one rather. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Say this after me. Jesus is not ashamed to call me brother. Or to call you sister, whichever your gender. And the reason for that is because he has set the pattern for whatever will happen to you. Everything that will happen to him will happen to you in God. Because you both are children of God. Sons of God. But in a more intelligent sense, this reality of Jesus as the firstborn amongst many brethren um, implies that there are so many lessons to learn from the life and the ministry and the times of Jesus. So if Jesus is the firstborn amongst many brethren, one of the things you can do to help your life, help your Christian faith, is to go and learn how Jesus lived on the earth. Learn the dealings of God with Jesus. And begin to align your life in that direction. If he's the firstborn amongst many brethren, I know that for some of us, we have older siblings. Many African ladies already become mothers at age eight. And I don't mean mothers in the sense that they got pregnant and they gave birth to a child. But if they have a younger one, by virtue of them being older sisters, they have to cater for that younger one as though they were mothers. In fact, in Africa, ladies become more responsible than guys earlier. The average 
nine-year-old girl has a sense of responsibility more than a nine-year-old boy. I know you don't agree, but don't worry. Don't worry. It's just it's because the way they, the way, especially if she's the first child, or if she has younger siblings, they are raised to be responsible. Look after your brother. Take care of your sister. Uh, probably the first toy a first girl will have is a doll baby. She learns how to play a from that doll baby. She learns how to back a child. A boy's first turn will maybe a car or a toy gun. <laughs> He's not introducing the responsibility. The average boy. But the girl is taught. You have a baby to carry, to back, and you see them trying to act all responsible. Now, beyond responsibility, there's also that sense of younger ones looking up to older ones. Learning from them. You have gone through this before. Teach me how to go through it. You have been in these shoes before. Teach me. Show me how to do it. You have been here before. You have passed these routes before. Tell me how you pass it. So, Jesus as the firstborn amongst many brethren is supposed to be someone you learn from, you imbibe, you imitate. And in the context of our discussion this morning, in the direction of favor, you should learn from Jesus. You should imitate Jesus. You should notice and study how Jesus grew in favor with God and in favor with men. This is what we want to try and look at in a few minutes. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 again. Let's look at the text again and pick a few lessons from it before I begin to explain the burdens of God in my heart. So Jesus increased. I think the KJV used the word grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Everybody say Jesus grew. Many people think Jesus or many people do not understand the humanity of Jesus. We know that Jesus was born, but we don't pay attention to this detail. Jesus grew. He was born as a baby. A suckling. And he grew. You know the Jesus at age 30 who did miracles and taught great teachings of the kingdom of God. He grew to that place. He was not born that way. He grew in wisdom. That is, there were many things Jesus learned. Not by supernatural impartation. By actual deliberate study. Are we together? When we think Jesus' life was a superman life. Who just had everything working for him automatically because he was born of God. No. He increased in wisdom and stature meant that there were certain capacities Jesus did not operate with when he was a little child. He was still the son of God. At that point, he was God. But the principle of growth had to also apply even to the son of God. Jesus had favor with God. Jesus had favor with men. And the scripture reveals that it was not always massive favor. It was not always mega favor. He grew into it. Whatever reality of favor you see in the ministry of Jesus, he grew into it. This phrase, grew into favor, or increased in favor, means Jesus grew in popularity, he grew in influence. And he grew in acceptance with the people. Jesus was not always the mighty teacher who thousands listened to. 
There were points in his life where nobody probably knew about him. Nobody. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and with man. Another thing you observe here is that he grew in favor with God and man. Many of us believe that if you grow in favor with God, you will not grow in favor with man. Jesus proved that that is not the case. In fact, if you are really growing in favor with God, you should also grow in favor with man. Yes. If you are really growing in favor with God, it should be evident in your favor also with men. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Praising God and having favor. Now this was the early church. They were praising God. Everybody say praising God. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now this is the most powerful church that ever existed in history. Look at the things that happened to them. They were praising God. They had favor with all people. And God was adding to the church. Some people believe that if you... You are growing in favor with God. You will be very scanty in terms of your relationship with people. Uh-uh. That's not the pattern we have from Jesus. That's not the pattern we have from the early church. God had it to the church daily. Such as should be saved. And they grow in favor with God and with men. The pattern has always been with God and with men. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26. I'm speaking on how Jesus grew in favor and we are examining the text and comparing it with other scriptures. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor, both, everybody say both, both with the Lord and also with men. So say that if I want to grow in the Lord's favor, my favor with men must diminish. It's not to understand the concept. Jesus didn't live like that. He did it. I will show you how you have to strike a balance and to maintain this reality of God and men favored by them. But please accept from scriptures the norm from what we learn in Jesus is that we grow in favor before the eyes of God and even before the eyes of men. Okay. So I want to teach in the next couple of minutes on this reality how Jesus grew in favor. I've shown you from scripture, Jesus was not just born into the influence he was born into, no. The fame, the popularity, he was not just born into that. He grew into it. He grew into it. I mean, when when he was born, Herod attempted to kill him, but Herod did not know Jesus. So he did random killing. He killed everybody from his village. Although an angel had already appeared to the parents of Jesus, Jesus had escaped. The second time when Jesus was killed, everybody knew Jesus. Are we together? Everybody knew Jesus. <laughs> his popularity had increased, his fame had increased. But scripture teaches us that he grew into that reality. How did he grow with favor? Remember, to grow in favor is to grow in fame, to grow in popularity, to grow in influence. If you don't learn it from Jesus, you will learn it from Lucifer. I hope you know Lucifer is also very, very famous. I mean Satan. If you learn the methods of Satan to be famous, to be influential, ah, 
It's a very big problem. Actually, there's no problem chasing favor. The only problem is where are you learning from? The desire to be favored in the sight of God and inside of man is a scriptural Christ-like desire. But where are you learning it from? So we want to see how Jesus grew in favor. Number one, Jesus allowed the process of time to have its full course. He combined faith with patience. He waited when he needed to wait. He was not in a hurry. Listen to me. Jesus began ministry at age 30. I remember when I was 27 and I don't think I was that daft. And I asked, why didn't Jesus begin at 27? I remember when I, was, I entered full-time ministry at age 23. So I asked, why didn't Jesus begin at age 19? Listen to me. If you are going to be favored in the sight of God and the sight of men, follow the Jesus pattern. Everybody say, follow the Jesus pattern. The Jesus pattern is not to rush it. Don't rush it. You follow the due process of the calendar of heaven. So when Jesus came on the scene at age 30, at his baptism, all things were ready. Everybody say, all things were ready. But the principle here is this. To grow in favor, you will have to be a lover of patience. Some of us are too in it. Much in haste, in a hurry, you want to blow very quickly. There is a level of that desire, there's a dimension of it that is godly, but you must submit it to the pattern of the Christ. You want to be famous and to be known, it must be according to the pattern of the Christ. You want to be favored in the sight of all men. Some will experience that. The early church experienced that, but it must be according to divine timing. When a baby is born, in a sense, he is very beautiful. She is very beautiful. Most babies are loved for their innocence and freshness. Everybody likes fresh bread. No be so. No be so. Okay. I wanted to be sure. Because some people like strange things. Uh, you can't. You can never tell. But I think that most people prefer fresh bread. But a baby's beauty is not fully recognized, seen, visible until that baby grows. When I give birth to my next child, according to the grace of God, a girl. Now, you will like the child because now PJ Pekin. That's the first reason. Sometimes, a love for a parent is transferred to a child. Sure you could. Nobody said the Pekin do anything, but you like the papa, so you just like the child. So, many people will like the girl because, oh, she's such a cute girl. Even if they don't see her, they say she's such a cute girl. Because they remember her mother. Ah, mama dear has another, another baby. It's not now, don't be expecting. No. Maybe after Buari. Maybe. <laughs> Alright. But that girl child, although she is beautiful in a sense, her full beauty will not begin to show until she grows into teenage years. All the unique features of feminine beauty will not show 
will not come out until she approaches a particular stage of her life. Remember we taught you that favor is synonymous with beauty. Is that not so? I tell my colleagues there are certain beauties in ministry, certain supernatural beauties that will come when you have gray hair. They say, no, I will get it now. I say, you don't know anything. You think you can get something that only patience will, will produce if you are getting it by confession. Confess, be confessing. Like a broken record. Be confessing. When you get to 50, I will remind you. Kenneth Hagin did ministry for several years. I think he was 19 when he began to pastor Baptist church. They, they were, oh, you see, many of these you know Kenneth Hagin for. Eh? <laughs> now when he entered 45, 50, the thing starts. You know him, ah, father of faith. That's the way they call him, father of faith. Now, when he entered 45 and 50, count meetings, miracles. In fact, I think when he began his apostolic or itinerary ministry, he, he, he said in a book that God told him, I was after he had pastored for about 15 years, that he had just starting to do what I originally ordained you to do after 15 years of pastoring. At that point, was he beautiful in a sense? Yes. But he grew in favor. Why? He let patience have its perfect work. Many of us are too in a hurry. So in a hurry. It's a mad rush for stardom. You just started this business last month. I don't know why sales are not coming. Pastor, come and pray for me. <laughs> Listen to me. You want overnight magic. Jesus didn't work like that. It didn't happen for Jesus like that. He waited. He followed the due course. You just began ministry last year. You spent so much doing flyer and poster and billboard. He said, I don't know what's happening, you know. People are not coming. Should I go and fast? Don't fast. Wait. Just wait. Farabale. Don't fast. Farabale. Wait. It will come if you wait. If you don't wait, it will not come. Jesus waited. When you consider the short period of his ministry, three years, ah, he waited for long. He waited for long. Let's assume he could not do anything approved of God until he was an adult. The average Jew was an adult once you are 18, you are an adult. So from 18 to 30, 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. He was old enough to do it, but he didn't do it. He was waiting until all things are ready. From the birth of his cousin, John the Baptist, there was an orchestration that certain things will not happen until John begins to baptize in water and until John meets Jesus and baptizes Jesus. Jesus had to wait. He had to wait. He had to wait. He says, Lord, I have come in the volume of the books as it is written of me to do your will, God. The will of God, patience. Everything about nature teaches this principle. That a child is conceived in the womb and has to wait there nine months. You can't even see the child. They can do scans in the hospitals. You can see movements and see faint pictures that are not too clear. But to see the beauty of that child, you have to wait. And even after that child is born, to see the full potential, you have to wait. Then where are you rushing to? Trying to blow an hammer. This is how people explode before that time. And scatter. The pattern of Jesus in growing in favor was 
patience. He allowed patience have its perfect work. Tell your neighbor, allow patience. If you are going to grow in favor, you will have to be patient. The crowd will not come overnight. <laughs> it won't. It won't. That statement, multitude followed Jesus. You don't see it about Jesus when he was a teenager. You don't see it about Jesus when he spoke in the synagogues. You don't see it about Jesus before he was baptized. You don't see it about Jesus before he returned from the wilderness and into the fall. That phrase only began to happen after all these realities. He grew in favor. The crowd will not come overnight. If you are doing business, you can pray all you like and do that. It's good for you. But the crowd will not come overnight. Anything successful you see that the world has embraced, that people are, people are so dependent on, even technology, even science, even social media, the crowd did not come overnight. There was a process of time. So where are you running to? When people interpret favor to mean that God will bypass all the processes, and just change 12 hours to 12 seconds for my sake because I'm favored. If it is real favor, you will have to grow in it. If it is the favor that God gives, you will have to grow in it. For Jesus, it was not even an exception. He had to grow in it. For you to say, ah, I'm favored of God, I'm favored of God, let's stop overnight. No. Remember, Jesus is the firstborn amongst many brethren. Everything that he went through, you will go through it. Except I'm not following him. He's the firstborn. You will go through it. The way God dealt with him is the way God will deal with you. The way God treated him is the way God will treat you. The way it worked for him is the way it worked for you. How Jesus grew in favor, he gave patience its place. Alright, number two here. Now, this is going to be very, very important. This would help you to really, really set a life of favor in motion. Jesus grew in favor because his priorities were primarily and fundamentally to please God and not to please men. The priority of Jesus was never to please men, but to please God. God. If both of them could be pleased at the same time, no wahala. But priorities, first things first, God over anyone. God over anybody. God over wife. God over children. God over mother. God over father. God over anything. God over boyfriend, over girlfriend. Over your job, over your career, over your masters. God over Canada. God first. That is the fundamental mentality that Jesus was with. We have established that growing in favor is in two dimensions of with God and with man. But come on. Many people now think, well, I'm already favored in God, technically. Let me just leave God alone. You know many people do that with our relationships? I'll probably teach about that soon this year or this month. People that are actually very close to us, we abandon them. Familiarity sets in. You now begin to serve these relationships that are distant. So, God has already favored us. There's no need to really greet him in the morning with prayer. I'm loved by God. Let's move. 
Let's go and look for strangers. We now direct all our energies at trying to get favor from men. That's not how we work for Jesus. John chapter 8 and verse 29. He that sends me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. We told you that the fundamental reality of favor in the believer is the presence of God. Jesus speaking about the presence of God in demonstration here, not just the presence of God that is dormant, the demonstrative presence of God, says the secret is because he always did those things that please God. This was how Jesus obtained favor even with men. Jesus was not trying to do the things that please men. He grew in favor with men. Yes. But he didn't do that by trying to please men. He didn't become a man pleaser. He got there by pleasing God. That was his fundamental priority. When a man's way pleases God, Proverbs 16, 7, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Do you get it? I said, do you get it? A man may say, I want to receive favor of my enemy. Let me go and uh, bribe him. Let me go and uh, beg him. Let me go and try to appease him. And the scripture shows us the secret. He says, your ways please the Lord. Uh-uh. There is a way he himself will make. It will, it's God that will make. It's not your effort. It's God himself that will make. Your enemy is to be at peace with you. Anyone that you see around Jesus, Jesus attributed their coming to the fact that the Father drew them. John chapter 6 and verse 44. He said Jesus had favor with men. The multitude followed him. The crowd followed him. Look at what Jesus now says about that. He says no man can come. 5,000 that he fed. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. There's a drawing that is supernatural. It's not by your makeup. Are we together? It's not by doing TikTok videos. Leave that one. That one. There's a drawing that comes only from God. When you use demonic favor to draw men, you will draw demonic men. When you use demonic perfume to draw men, you will draw demonic men. But if you use the oil of the supernatural, you will draw men like Peter, men who will die for you. Are you getting it now? This is how Jesus grew in favor. He made God the priority. He wasn't focused on men. He came to save men. And I will show you what your attitude towards men should be. Uh, ushers, please let's use this first timer seat if we are run, we've run out of seats. We don't have to waste that. Are we still together? Make God the priority. Every woman relationship that collapses or that is collapsing or that is about to collapse would collapse more likely because somebody in that relationship has made God secondary. Somebody has relegated God to a place he does not belong. Somebody has put man first 
That's why marriages fail today. When you ask people that are divorcing, most times, do you still love your wife? The answer is always yes. Why are you leaving her alone? I can't explain it, but what is me? Check it. It is. You see, when a man talks like that, it is because God has left his place. God is no longer first. Why divorce rates are high? Why friendship collapses? Why there's backstabbing and betrayals in life and ministry? Because people in relationships do not prioritize God. They begin to prioritize men. They begin to prioritize men. They begin to idolize men. When you give man the position of God, favor will decrease drastically. Yeah. If you can keep God in his place, that's all Jesus did. Focused on keeping God in his place. Nobody competes with the place of God. There is no rival against God. This position I gave God, nobody will take it. Not my father in the Lord, not my mentor, not my geo, not my wife. Nobody will take it. That is the mentality that compels favor. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies. The idea of making his enemies be at peace is not that your enemies will be greeting you. That's not the idea. Is that everything they do work for your favor? Even their hate will work for your favor. They will set you up to kill you to work for your favor. Do you know how David became popular? Saul wanted to kill him. So Saul said, Let's set him up to battle, send him to the battlefield. So he'll be fighting one day. The Philistines will cut off his head. <laughs> he thought he was setting up for death. But the more David fought, the more he became popular. They began to sing, Saul killed 1,000. David killed 10,000. Hey! Ah, Some must have been confused. How come everything I try to do backfires? When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies. <laughs> so be at peace. So be at peace. If you are going to grow in divine favor, you are going to grow in the favor of God, you are going to grow in the favor of men. Make God the priority. Let it be your absolute desire to please Him no matter what. This is the idea. Let me explain it further. The more you become reliable to God, the more He commits men to your hands. Oh God, give me wonderful relationships. Bless me with people. Bless me with good people around me. I don't have good friends. Give me good friends. Listen to me. You should change your prayer points. You should change your mentality. And begin to become reliable to God. Not reliable to men. Reliable to God. The point where you are reliable to God is the point where no man can take God's place in your heart. That's when God can trust you. That's when God can trust you. No man can take God's place in your heart. Then you are not reliable to God. Then God will entrust men into your hands. Because he knows that he's, he's never going to be kicked out of his throne. Are you reliable in the sight of God? That's what we are saying here. We are not saying, are you beautiful? Are you packaged? That's not the emphasis here. Are you reliable? Jesus was reliable. So the Father drew men to him. Jesus says, all that the Father, and was speaking about men, all that the Father has given to me will come to me and I will not lose any of them. For no one can snatch them out of my hands. Oh wow. That's a reliable person there. So, why should God send people to Ramah Chapel? If when they come, they become worse. 
Why, 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 should, why should we pray and God give us people in heaven? Why? Why should people come around you sent by God? Even when they come around you, now you they teach them bad things. You want to grow in favor with God and man, become a reliable fellow in the eyes of God. Let God be able to trust you with people. Matthew 3, 17. Jesus was being spoken about by God. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. In Matthew 17 and verse 5, that statement comes with an addition. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to him. Listen to him. He's trusted. I've tested him. He's trusted. He's reliable. A minister of the gospel who cannot explain John 3.16 is praying for a minister of ego. No, be you be that. Goodness, go and read the Bible and learn the scriptures now. Why are you not praying? Go and give me a favor. Go and master doctrine for goodness sake. Go and learn about God. That's a better approach. People now came to you, now begin to come and bump them inside the river. Now came to you, now you now begin to commit scandals. How many ladies can God commit to the hand of the average man of God today? How many? How many? If only the angels will be having an attack. Hey, hey, that girl no say for. Come on. No reliable men again. No reliable men again. Become reliable. That's how it works. You won't beg God for crowd when you're reliable. God will be begging you say, take more, take more. You say, I, I, it's too much, take more. That's how it works. Growing in favor is by growing in reliability. Growing in divine reliability. Are we still together? Jesus did not seek for fame or popularity. He was simply faithful to the one who owns all of mankind. Every human being owned by God. The hearts of kings are in the hands of God. Like the course of a river, it turneth it to where my presence. If you are faithful to the one who owns all things, it's a matter of time men will come. They will come sticking you from every quarter. Every quarter. You, you, may, you will try to hide, they will look for you. Many times Jesus tried to hide, tried to rest. They found him. They will travel miles, take boats and canoes just to get to where he was. The favor was overflowing. Everybody say overflowing. But what was the secret? Pleasing God. Making God the priority. You can make God the priority in your business. Profits should not be the priority. Listen to me. This is not something you will hear in any master class. They won't teach you this. Profit is not the primary response. It's not the primary priority of the Christian. No. What is the primary priority of any believer? Pleasing the Lord. That's why before people used to resign their jobs when it's conflicted with their faith. But now they will keep it and say, at least I'll be able to bring more tithes to the house of God. You don't know why you are here. You don't know why you are here. Profiting is not the whole essence of existence. To make more money and enjoy yourself. That's not why you are here. To glorify God, to please Him, to honor Him. To make him known in all the earth. That's why we are here. If that is your mentality, it will shock you how much followership drawing you will get. Because God Himself will be drawing them. And see, this guy is reliable. 
I can trust him with people. I can trust him with nations. I can trust him with kingdoms. This is how it worked with Jesus. That's the best way to grow in favor. Are we still together? Pray in the Holy Ghost for a few seconds here. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Jesus grew in favor by prioritizing God. By prioritizing God. Oh, some of you have to deliberately shift some things in your heart now. Shift it. You have displaced God. Ah, no. Let it shift. Let it shift. Let it shift. Give God back His place. Nobody else should be there. Nobody else. It's a throne that can only size Him. It's a throne that can only fit Him. Give God back His place. This is how to grow in favor. Enough of men chasing, looking for favors here and there. Uh-uh. Give God His place. Give God His place. Don't try to sound appealing to mankind. Just be pleasing to God and He will draw men. 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 He's the one that does the drawing. When he, when he does the drawing, nobody can stop it. He does the drawing. Oh yes, thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Say this after me, I grow in favor. I grow in favor before God and before men. How did Jesus grow in favor? Number three, he learned the ways of God and practically applied it in his everyday life. Jesus learned. We saw that in Luke 2.52, he grew in wisdom. That word grew in wisdom did not mean that God was at any point deficient of wisdom. It meant that because Jesus came as man, there is a protocol that a man must go through. Although he was God, he came as man. And so he had to experience certain things that should happen to humanity. One of which was the process of growth. He grew in wisdom, not by automatic supernatural impartation, but by applying his heart to learning, to study, to reading. He learned the ways of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. This is said about Jesus. Follow the conversation very closely. But unto the Son he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Except of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Why? Thou wast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, what you see in verse 9, loved righteousness, hated iniquity, happened by learning. Iniquity is the culture of this world. Righteousness is the culture of the kingdom of God. Jesus had it in a sense by nature, but he also had to learn. He had to apply his heart. He had to apply his soul to this. He learned it. He loved it. That's how we prove it. Many people don't understand this concept, even towards growing in favor with God. Because we have shown you the fundamental truth that God has favored the believer. In fact, God has favored all mankind. But we are saying here that there is, an, there is a deeper expression of favor that comes when you begin to learn the culture of God. 
and you begin to practice the culture of God, and you begin to walk in the ways of God, there is a deeper expression of favor that comes with that. You can say I'm favored, and if I'm favored, whatever I do does not matter. Well, <laughs> you won't grow in favor like that. You are favored in the same way, you grow in favor. To grow in favor, you have to learn the culture of God. Righteousness is a summary of the culture of God. And then practically or practically applied to your life. This is why it works like this. The culture of God is what makes God attractive to men. Listen. In Matthew 5, 16, I think we considered that last week or maybe last two weeks. Um, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Are we together? Does God favor everybody? Yes. But when it comes to the priorities of God, God has the right to be selfish and to prioritize those who will cause the glorification of the Father. Are you getting it? Only God has the right to be selfish. Because God is absolutely good. So even in his selfishness, is for mankind's good. <laughs> no other person has the right to be selfish. God has the right to be selfish. And because it is that selfishness of God that actually makes for the blessing of mankind. Yeah. Man will be blessed when God has his way. Let me say that again. Man will be blessed when God has his way. Everything that God does is for the advantage of man. Yes. But people don't know this. So people are fighting against God, resisting God. Now, when your life begins to shine before men, by virtue of learning the culture of God and practicing it, because I need to emphasize that it's not just about learning the culture. Many of you know what to do. You just don't do it. You just don't do it. It's like having clothes and deciding to walk naked. Which many Christians decide to do. Many Christian ladies decide to do it. You have clothes. The rapper can sew his five yard. But when you sew the wedding clothes, everywhere for here they show. Now here is stop. What do you want the other material do? What do you want to do? So, Jesus learned to love the Lord, hate iniquity, practice the culture of heaven, his light shone before men, and because of that, they glorified God, because of that, he was priority to God, because of that, he experienced greater dimensions of favor, he grew in favor, he increased in favor, before God and even before men. This is how it works. Tell your neighbor, put on your garment of favor. It is called righteousness. Nothing is as beautiful as the garment of righteousness. Nothing. The world has painted sexiness to be beautiful. Sexiness is ugly. You heard me right. Except between couples. Are we together? You don't believe? Okay, let me help you. How many people who attempt to dress naked or showcase nudity or become sexy, how many of them 
when their nudes leak out, how many of them say, be sharing? Do you notice they're always angry? When their naked picture leak out, do you know what they're they're always angry? I will sue you. Ah, Say, you wanted to show us. The way you were dressing, you look like you wanted to show us something. Now that the full picture is out, you are angry, say you will sue us. No, nakedness is ugly. Everybody knows. (laughs) But some people have been learning from Satan. Okay. It was God that decided that a man would be clothed. He saw mankind and said, This one, go find by Let's kill a, a lamb and clothe him. People dressing half naked on the streets. If for any reason their naked picture is released, they will go to court. I say, No. No. But you wanted to show us. Everybody knows. There's nothing beautiful about nudity. Everybody knows. Sometimes we know, but we don't do. Learn the culture of heaven. Practice it. This is how to grow in favor. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 is a proof that Jesus grew in knowledge. Or Jesus had to learn something. Because you say, what do you mean by Jesus learning? Well, Hebrews 5 8 tells us that he learns obedience by the things that he suffered. So Jesus... Although he was a son, learned obedience. He had to learn it just like every woman. Obedience is learned. The culture of heaven is learned. Righteousness is learned. It's a nature, yes, impacted, but it's also learned by instructions of righteousness. Somebody says, don't give instructions of righteousness. People that are righteous will naturally be righteous. You don't get it. That soul factor in man cannot be void. There's nature, your spirit, yes, but your soul must be educated in righteousness. You just say, if he's born again, he will live right. Even if he does not hear right. You know, if he hears wrong, he will do wrong. Even if he's born again. Yes. People that are doing evil, they are born again, saved, sound, supposedly, speaking tongues, but are not just right. Are we still together? So favor with God increases as your image is conformed to godliness. The more you look like God, by learning the culture of God and practice, the more you compel divine favor. Because I've told you this, listen, when we say grow in favor, we mean grow in fame, grow in influence. Everybody say influence. It was Reverend Tulu speaking at the Young Minister's Conference. He said that a messenger works with the authority of a king that compels compliance. That statement, let me break it down. So, if somebody is sent by President Buhari and he comes in an entourage, even if President Buhari does not come himself, I will have, if he comes in the name of Buhari and he's probably, he carries an appearance that suggests presidential errand, I will have to comply with the same weight as though I'm complying to President Buhari. When you, the more you resemble God in practice, not nature, in practice, the more the forces of life bow to you. To grow in favor is to grow in influence. The more you have more things under your control. Are we together? You see how nature was subdued with Jesus. He spoke to the storm. Be still. People might and say, what kind of a man is this? Even the storms hear his voice. He grew in favor. He learned the culture of heaven. He practiced it. 
Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 to 3. How Jesus grew in favor. Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness to be put, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. Everybody say, the Gentiles shall come. Gentiles will not come to darkness. Gentiles will come to what? Your light. Your light is your good works. Your light is the practice of righteousness. Your light is the glorification of God. Your light is the replication of God, the character. This is what Gentiles will come to. And kings. Everybody say kings. They will come to the brightness of your life. They won't come to your makeup. I'm telling you, they won't come with your fine suit or your fine suits. They will come to the brightness of your eyes. Which is the full expression of godliness. <laughs> this is how it works. This is how Jesus grew in favor. It becomes a magnetic pool. You won't have to beg for it. You won't have to lobby for it. It becomes a magnetic pool. They come to the brightness of your rising. When your life becomes an advertisement to God, God automatically advertises your life to men. When your life becomes an advertisement to God, God automatically advertises your life to men. He himself will pull them. He himself will bring them. He himself will draw them. Alright, 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 alright. Number four. How Jesus grew in favor. Alright. Let's explain this also and take our time on it. Jesus was a solution provider who genuinely loved others. Jesus was a solution provider who genuinely loved others and did not try to use people. I want to be favored can mean I want to be influential. It can mean I want to be famous. I want to be known and popular. Listen, in a sense, that can be godly if the purpose of that is accurate. But listen to me. If you are trying to relate with people not out of genuine love but because you want to use people, you are not going to grow in favor. You are not going to grow in favor. Jesus genuinely loved people. He did not do program just to use people. He did not organize conference just to use people. He did not organize seminars, seminars just to use people. He genuinely loved them. He will preach to them and before they go home, he will say, oh, let's feed them. They don't have to go home hungry. He genuinely loves people. Genuinely. And let me say this emphatically. Even in the natural, people love solution providers. Are we together? People are drawn to solution providers. While of you are on Facebook, or Instagram, or Twitter, is because it provides a solution of social interaction. It's a natural principle. Are we together? How many of you grew up in houses where some uncles used to visit and aunties? How many of you had favorite aunties and uncles? Confess, why? Did they bring something? 
and some other ones like to send errand. Bimbe, come here. Go and wash that clothes. You just came yesterday. You're just goodness. Why are you stressing us? You didn't bring anything. We ran to you. There are some people when they come, we go run from we go see them, we run from to the gates. Hug them. Uncle. Let me say we like them like that too, but at least something will drop. Everybody naturally flows in the direction of solution providers. Put it in Proverbs 19.6. Proverbs 19.6. Men will, many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that gives gifts. You are stingy, but you are praying. God, this year I grow in favor. I wonder now, bros. Who knows like better thing? <laughs> Who knows like better thing? Natural principle. Many will entreat the favor of the prince. The prince that is described there is a generous prince. Everybody say generous prince. <laughs> I don't want to say some things before. The people will come and arrest me here. But there are princes that are generous. Their father is on the throne. They will use their father's system and be empowering people. There are some other ones that are very wicked. Like the ones that use the money to buy power back. The favor of the prince. Every man is a friend to him that gives gifts. Everybody say every man. Jesus was a giver of gifts. Giver of gifts. If it's not healing, he's saving if it's not saving, it's delivering. If it's not delivering, he's giving bread and fish. If it's not giving bread and fish, he's giving the word. He was a permanent giver of gifts. How will he not grow in favor? How will he not grow in favor? You want to grow in favor? Check your generosity levels. Be a solution provider, not a not a pro, not a problem. Machine. Some people are manufacturers of problems. Oh. <laughs> Once you come in contact with them, things will just be happening. They cause more problems. <laughs> be somewhere that when, they, when you show up, oh, people will be relieved. Aha. I'm glad that you are here. At least you will help me. That's how to, that's how to be genuinely attractive to men. Stop trying to use people. Trying to climb the ladder of life by matching people's heads. I see many ministers do that and I just laugh. Gathering people to you know, increase your brand. Doing compulsory mentorship to promote your name. Those things are just ridiculous. Jesus, how many, Jesus didn't compel disciples to come. When they came, they knew that they were coming for better. In fact, it was more to their advantage than to his advantage. They were the ones that were going to be blessed. Genuinely love people. Many of us are really trying to use people. Get into relationships, initiate conversations because you want to use people. Stop it. Just genuinely love people. You will see. It works. Genuinely love people. Look for their betterment. Seek to improve them. Not to be popular. Don't use people for popularity. These days I see people 
just keep adding people to WhatsApp groups, adding people to Facebook groups. You want to use me to increase your brand? Tagging 99 people on a post. You don't know the people. They don't know you. Why are you tagging them? I've told some people around me, stop tagging people. Just be consistent with a defined content. And people will follow. Everybody likes spectacular. Don't need, don't need to. It's not crusade you are doing, you are tagging on people. Are you doing crusade? What's the problem? Everybody should see your face and, and like your picture. No need. There's no need. If, if what you are doing is consistently defined, people will flow to it. It's a matter of time. Are we together? I know I've broken or shaken some of your tables. It's what I do for a living. Alright, 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 alright. How Jesus grew in favor. Last point here. How Jesus grew in favor. He went through every stage of obedience that endowed him with compelling power and influence. Jesus went through various stages of obedience to God that endowed him with compelling power and influence. To grow in favor is to grow in fame. It's to grow in influence. Jesus was not just born with all the measures of influence you see him have at his death or you see him have at his resurrection or at his ascension. He grew into it and he grew into it by going through every phase of obedience that God commanded. You will be born. You will take up the form of a servant and become a man. Yes. Father, I've come to do your will. You will die and become obedient to the cross. Yes. Father, not my will, but your will be done. You will be buried and you will resurrect and you will ascend every phase of obedience. So in Philippians 2, wherefore God has highly given him a name. Why? The preceding verses tells us because he became obedient before the death of the cross. Every phase of obedience is a test of influence. This point is fundamentally not for you. But you can learn it. But it's fundamentally to show you how Jesus accumulated influence by consistent obedience. How did Jesus accumulate influence? How did Jesus accumulate favor? By consistent obedience. There are two senses or there are two dimensions in which Jesus has influence over all things. Back to our beginning conversation, Jesus is the creator. Are we together? In Colossians 1.16 we read that all things were made by him and made for him. Because he made all things, he can influence all things. Are we together? Because he made all things. He made your kidneys. He made your lungs. He made your liver. He can influence it. He can heal it. He's the creator of it. But there's another sense also, which was dominant in the earthly ministry of Jesus. The more he obeyed, the more influence accumulated. One of the reasons Jesus suffered and died, or one of the reasons Jesus achieved in suffering and dying, was to obey God and obtain the influence to heal sick bodies. 
why he had to be beaten and his body was broken was to purchase the redemption of our bodies. All of that he went through in obedience to receive influence. Let me show you with a few verses here. I think a few verses will help you. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. Maybe that will help. Hebrews 2 verse 9. But we see Jesus who was been a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should test death for every man. Are we together? Come on, are we together? Now having tasted death for every man, he could now make a demand for the lives of men. Jesus has no right to say, give me your life, if he did not taste death for every man. So the influence he has over all humanity is not just because he created all humanity, but because he paid the price of death for all humanity. He tasted death for everyone. And so he can make demands and say, all of you give me your life. Oh yeah. He can influence every life. He has earned the rights to that. He grew in favor by the obedience of death. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This right hand of the throne of God is the place of power, influence, favor. The path to this place was the cross. And he obeyed unto this end. Say it one more time. Jesus owns my body. Because he created it. And because he redeemed it with his blood. Say it again. Jesus owns my body. Because he created it. And because he redeemed it. By his blood. Jesus controls my body. Because he created it. And he redeemed it by his blood. When you understand this, you now understand why there is no argument as to whether Jesus can heal the sick. It's his body. He bought it. It is his property. It is his possession. Not only did he make it, did he create it, he, he died to own it. You see, when people came to ask Jesus, by what authority do you forgive sins? By what authority do you heal this man? They didn't get it. He didn't get it. Says after me, I have understanding. Stand to your feet. Chill. Just chill. Listen. I, the reality of Jesus existing as the God of all flesh is what we want to experience today. Everybody say God of all flesh. And I told you how is the God of all flesh. By creating all flesh and by redeeming all flesh is the influence of all flesh. All flesh includes broken bodies, sick organs, 
is the God of all flesh. He has paid for it. He owns it. It's his possession. This is the mentality that facilitates healing. It's just going to flow when you walk with this understanding. It's going to flow. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Choir, come up stage. Let's sing. Sing the song you sang without modulating or just sing the second part of the song. Something special happens when I call the name Jesus. Sing that. Simply. Sing it simply, please. Very simply. Please, those of you, those of us in the audience, just focus on Jesus here. Focus on Jesus here. One of the reasons we can lift our hands is because He's the God of all flesh. We can raise our voice because He's the God of all flesh. You see, all our being belongs to Him. He bought it. He owns it. Put it on the screen, please. Jesus. Here, give us the song, please. Your name, Jesus. Something special. Something special. Supernatural. Supernatural. About the name. About your name. Jesus. Jesus. Something happens. Something happens. When I call. When I mention. When I mention. Your name. Your Jesus. Jesus. Something special. Supernatural. Supernatural. About your name. About your name. Jesus. Jesus. Something happens. Something happens. When I mention. When I mention. Your name. Jesus. Your name. Something special. Something special. Supernatural. Supernatural. Say Jesus. Jesus. And something happens. When I Has to flee when I say Yeah. 
Come under the influence of the Lord Jesus. Let everything, my body inclusive, my soul inclusive, my mind inclusive. Let everything come under the influence of Jesus. The God of all flesh. The God of all flesh. Are you praying? The God of all flesh. The God of all flesh. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.